Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Zippy the Wonder Snail, the second episode of 2022. Here we are to have more news and culture that matter to you as two guys zipping through it. Hey, Jason, how are you today? Doing good, Tim. Let's synchronize our swatches and let's do this. Okay, I am ready for swatch sync and all. And we thought we'd start off with something that we love to synchronize our calendars with that seems a little in turmoil this year, uh, which is, of course, baseball. There's a lockout going on, and there's questions about whether there will be a baseball season, what it looks like, when it will happen. We're not actually going to talk about any of that. We're going to talk about something fun and lighthearted about baseball, though, and maybe you'd like to tell everybody about it. Yeah, well, I've, I found this very interesting song by this singer-songwriter named Faye Webster, uh, and she has a new album out recently, uh, and it's called Ha Ha, I Know I'm Funny. And it came out last year in 2021. And she wrote this song called Dream with a Baseball Player. And it's a song about how she had a crush on the Atlanta Braves outfielder, Ronald Acuna Jr. So it's a really cute song and kind of an interesting video. Uh, and then she got to meet Ronald Acuna Jr., of course, and and I should mention the world champion Atlanta Braves and Ronald Acuna Jr. So, and she goes on to say that, you know, she used to watch the Braves with her dad when she was a little girl. Um, so she's a huge Braves fan and she's from the Atlanta area and uh, just developed this crush on Acuna Jr. while the Braves were running to the world championship. So we'll leave that in the show notes and hopefully these jokers will end the lockout pretty soon. Um, uh, because the clock is starting on getting the season started on time and that's what they need to do. So, um, hopefully they can do that, but enjoy the song in the show notes that may lead you to the rest of the album. Um, I went and listened to some of her stuff. I enjoyed it. So maybe you'll enjoy that too. After you listen to the song. Yeah, it was a a fun little video, especially with the story, the background, you told me about it ahead of me watching it and it's interesting, I, I suppose, in a way, not everyone gets to meet the people that they feel like they know that are celebrities. But I think we can probably all connect with the idea that there are people, whether they're athletes or musicians or authors or, or what, whomever, that, that we feel close to, um, that we feel like we could really have wonderful conversations with. Um, and yet they don't even know we exist or like it says in the song, she was talking about some of the things that have happened in her life. And, um, the, the baseball player she's dreaming about has no idea that these things even have happened, doesn't have any reason to pay attention to them or anything. And so it, it, it is very easy to connect with song. And then, you know, cause they don't speak the same language. And then the other interesting thing is they actually did meet. And as she was walking away, I kind of forgot to say this. But as she was walking away, Ronald said, thank you for the music. So she kind of freaked out. You know, she was like, oh, man, he listened to it. He knows my music, you know. So she was all in a tizzy and good for her. And just, that's our awe moment of the show. So I, I thought it was cute. It, it definitely was. I, I don't have an awe sound effect. Otherwise, I'd have to play it. Uh, maybe we need to add one of those. But, um, you know, it's just nice to hear something like that every once in a while, just something happy um, and something that here you have this turmoil with baseball at the moment, but 
I know for me, it's just fun to actually have something fun and joyful about baseball to think about right now. Yeah, I agree. We we need these troubled times. We need lighthearted things like you were saying. And just anywhere we can get it from, we'll take it. So we'll leave that in the show notes for you to enjoy. Yes. Well, uh, speaking of the current times we're in, we're in the middle of winter. And our first sponsor of the show today is faithtree.com weather. If you are wondering whether or not you should go out at any particular time over the coming weeks, you can go to faithtree.com weather and find out the weather for any place in the world. And you'll do so without having all kinds of trackers following you, selling your data so that every place that you go to is marketing to you based on what cities you looked up, wondering it, whether you were trying to figure out if you needed to put flannel on or not, et cetera, et cetera. So faithtree.com weather, it's weather for you. It's weather 24 hours a day, and it will be there throughout the winter for you. Check out faithtree.com weather. So speaking of services, uh, one of the services Jason, you and I have enjoyed, and this is something I never thought I'd say I'd enjoy, and I really didn't have much experience with it until the pandemic a couple of years ago started, but Instacart kind of an interesting service, isn't it? Yeah, and it, and it really helps me, I should say, as a person with a disability uh, to to not have to rely on someone else to go and get my groceries and bring them back. So I'm a user of Instacart. I, I pay for the uh, express service as well. And so they came today. We both had deliveries today, actually, as, as you were saying before we went on the air. We did. Yeah. So I um I got some I got some deli fried chicken from our friends at Schnooks um and some other stuff. And the interesting thing about that was that when my when my delivery guy got here, um he he had clearly been partaking of marijuana when he got here. Um and he was only in my apartment for a few seconds. And now it it smells like I'm a user of marijuana. And, and I want to tell the listeners, I am not a user of marijuana in any shape or form. But it seems like I am now after the delivery, uh, like Shaggy and Scooby and whoever else. Um, but just a funny thing. And I always, I don't know if you have this too, um, but I have perishable items and then I have unperishable items. Yeah, yeah. And so I always I always tell them, okay, hand me the meat first, hand me the stuff that's going to go bad, and then, you know, the stuff that's not going to go bad. It's lucky if I even put it in the cabinet in half a week if I'm left to my own devices because uh, I've got chips and I've got soda. I'm like, hand me the meat, let me put that away so it's safe. So what are, what are your orders like, comrade? What do you usually get when you're with Instacart? Well, you know, I've really become a, a general fan of using Instacart and some of the other delivery services even for grocery shopping, which at first might sound sort of extravagant using the different ones. And, and I always thought, well, I, you know, why would I might do this? But one of the things I, I, that's really been interesting for me, and, and if anyone that knows me knows I, I love a good bargain. I'm also really pretty busy. And it's it's hard, like, for example, if I if I have a grocery list and I'll, I'll get everything through Instacart, but if I have this grocery list, usually if I need 
to get the entire list in one place. And I don't typically have time to go to a bunch of stores that meant going to Schnucks, uh, you know, our local hometown grocer. So I, I like supporting them, but it also means then paying a lot more money for things. So for example, I think this week skim milk is almost $2 a gallon more at Schnucks than at Aldi. Um, so one of the things I've really become a fan of Instacart for is that I might only have enough time to go to one store but I can schedule multiple deliveries as part of their express service from different stores and actually optimize the cost and go get milk at, at Aldi and get the things that are only available at Schnucks. For example, I've been spending the last few years perfecting my homemade pizza and I need some ingredients that Aldi doesn't carry, but Schnucks has. I can get those at Schnucks and it actually pays for itself. I've saved so much because there were many times where I wouldn't go to Aldi because they didn't have everything I needed. They had maybe... 80, 90% of it, but not everything. And just being able to go there and save money there or uh, using Walmart Plus to get some things that are much cheaper at Walmart. Sometimes Walmart even undercuts Aldi. And so then you're at two levels of savings over uh, just going to one store. But going to, as far as Walmart goes, I, I never would grocery shop at Walmart because I, I just don't like going into the absolute terror that is often going into a Walmart store where there's just this huge crowd. And then you go to check out and there's what the old joke, uh, Walmart decided to close on Christmas because they wanted to give their two checkers the day off. <laughs> I mean, they never have enough people. So it, I just wouldn't go to Walmart. It took way too long. It was too much of a hassle, but I've been able to save some money there, been able to save some money using Target, you know, just going to the different stores. So I'm a big fan of using uh, these deliveries as a way to actually go bargain hunting as odd as it sounds. I thought it was an extravagant kind of process, but it's actually saved me money on groceries. So uh, that's my Instacart testimonial. Maybe you're going to have to show me how to order from multiple stores and do multiple multiple deliveries that way. Because so far, I've only done from Schnucks. And I started to look at Costco, um, but then I thought, I'm not buying in bulk today. You know, I didn't I just did bachelor things. I got fried chicken. I got some beef tips, you know, and I saved myself. This is, this is an interesting, maybe this will be interesting to our listeners, but I saved myself a buck and a half by getting beef tips and gravy, the Schnucks brand versus the Hormel brand with no disrespect to Hormel at all. But if I'm going to save myself a buck and a half on the exact same thing, yeah, let me do that. So, Hopefully it's as good as the Hormel beef tips. Uh, we will see. But you'll yeah. have to show me for multiple stores. I think that would be fun. I'd be glad to. And it's really easy. You can actually have one shopping cart as you're going through the stores. And then when you check out, it'll break it up into different orders. And you can schedule either to have them all come at the same time or different times. And so it makes it really easy. That is fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's for the future maybe we have to have another segment on this later on but yeah yeah we probably should um the one thing i'd say and this is a place where i really like instacart a lot better than walmart plus is with walmart whenever i go there i usually have to plan two or three days ahead to reserve a spot they're so backed up it's a big wait although walmart plus is pretty nice because i've been trying to make a point of not buying everything from Amazon. I think maybe it's not healthy to have one company so in control of everything. And so Walmart Plus is sort of Walmart's version of Prime. 
very similar as far as shipping of just normal items, but you also get grocery deliveries as part of that. So, um, yeah, so, our, our buddy Deborah Lee was talking about, um, some of the challenges of Walmart plus, you know, doing things in advance. So yeah, that's, um, that's a concern. And when you're shopping for different things, there's pros and cons to each one. I'm sure the listeners already know they could, they could write in and tell us about their experiences too. And if they have advice, we're open to hear it. So yeah. Uh, thanks for putting up with us in this segment. Um, but I, I appreciate these services and that they're out there and we may see more of them as we face uh, more challenges, whether it be a pandemic or other things that happen. So I'm grateful that they're out there and that uh, we can start to use them and hopefully, you know, save some money, save, save some time, uh, help us to be safer, gone and so forth, so on and so forth. So, yeah, absolutely. It, it's uh it's an interesting thing. And I think it's going to be interesting over the coming years to see what it does for our economy and our workers and, and everything else. But um, certainly there are some shoppers out there that are really conscientious. I've not had any that um, brought a um, set of illicit drugs, uh, at least the odor of them with them. Um, you know, and I, I'll confess, I, I love ordering frozen white castles, but uh, not for that reason, because I'm with you. I, I'm, I, I am totally against marijuana use. Uh, it, so uh, I just happen to get the crave just because I love white castle. <laughs> All right. We're good. Wow, that's a new one. I thought we were going on a road trip. <laughs> Somehow it seemed like that was a, a good segue going into some classic rock there. Yeah. So what are we uh, what are we talking about in this segment, Tim? Well, uh, you know, we've been on sort of a, a relatively light uh, set of items so far, and so now we're just going to go into another one that's you know super simple and, and easy, which is human rights. Oh my! Yes, indeed. <laughs> so you had some thoughts about various things that are happening around the world, whether it be Hong Kong or. Uh, the Xinjiang province in China where the Uyghurs are. Uh, and I think there was another place in there, wasn't there? Yeah, um, basically, well, I guess this is my official pick on the Communist Party uh, segment uh, or something like that. But, you know, if you really think about what's going on in the world today, it, it's so interesting and frightening um, to see what's happening with the Chinese Communist Party. And the way that they are abusing their own people and looking to take over more control in the world. And I think for a long time, we, we convinced ourselves that, that because they were having great economic success, they would work their way into a freer form of government. And it even had the appearance that maybe they were headed that way a little bit. But certainly the current leader there um, looks a whole lot more like the old school communist leaders, and we're seeing some pretty frightening things. Uh, the, we started as we were planning this segment, to, we, we were going to start with Hong Kong, and it's kind of interesting. Have you been following Hong Kong much? I, I can't say that I've been following it terribly closely, but you can give me a little rundown. be fun. We should get our mutual friend Rachel Ferguson on the show one of these days. She's been good at staying up to date on that, but the the sort of gist of it 
for those who aren't familiar with the situation in Hong Kong more generally, is that what in I believe it's 1997, the British who had a 99 year lease on Hong Kong from China, they'd signed it obviously with uh, two uh, government, two previous forms of government before the current one in China. The the lease was coming up, and they handed. Hong Kong back to the Chinese, but with an agreement that for the next 50 years it would operate with the sort of Western liberties that Hong Kong had because it was really a part of the British Empire. And so freedom of the press, free elections, all those sorts of things. The the Chinese call that uh, one country, two systems. And it's sort of been something that I, I think if you really were paying attention, it, it was striking that, you know, the, the mainland Chinese government is becoming more and more powerful. Uh, there's fewer and fewer people that can actually oppose them. And so it seemed kind of obvious that there wouldn't be a lot of reason for them to wait 50 years to do something. And even if they were going to wait 50 years, that time will run out. Um, but they haven't waited 50 years. They've been taking a number of pretty significant measures over the last few years to start to impinge on that that alleged one country, two systems arrangement uh, to bring the surveillance state and the, the lessened civil rights of mainland China to Hong Kong, where, for example, you can easily be accused of sedition, pro-democracy rallies are being suppressed, that sort of thing. I, I want to say a couple of things along these lines. One is there was an article in ProPublica that we may have talked about. I can't remember if we talked about it on the air, but about the infiltration of Chinese government agents um, and informers into the, uh, like the Chinese cultural associations on college campuses. So those became means of the Chinese government uh, watching their own Chinese citizens while they went to university here in the United States. And those um, cultural centers are focuses of uh, repression, repression of free speech, because when uh, Chinese and pro-Chinese government people get wind that the Chinese government is going to be criticized or, or even mentioned in less than a flattering light in some way or other, then a lot of these cultural centers are coming forward to uh, to disallow that free speech on campus and, and also, you know, causing problems for uh, their own citizens abroad and their families back home in China. Uh, so it's a really good piece. Can, can we also leave that in the show notes uh, for next time? Hopefully we can. I will find that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I will find that. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, and I wanted to, to talk about a little bit of my um, my studies in political science from back in the day from college, um, because I did a couple of different studies about the impact of markets on authoritarian systems. And we really should get Rachel Ferguson in here for this, if she'll put up with me. Um, but... What we found out, what I found out doing research on uh, not only Eastern Europe, but also on Mexico, of all things, is that markets do have um, a positive influence in terms of pushing back against autocracy. But I think the positive impact is uneven to the extent that American political leaders would wish it would go faster and more directly towards 
openness and freedom than it actually does. It does, in certain scenarios, undermine an autocratic government or even a socialist government, um, but not in a sort of uh, obvious and direct way. So in that way, uh, like you were saying before, it can be a little bit of wishful thinking, maybe that the Chinese government was gonna, going to change because of the economic progress that China was making. Um, maybe, but maybe not, uh, based on the historical examples. And in this is a bad example, but in Mexico, uh, it was mostly bloodless, the one-party rule in Mexico um, until the mid-90s. Um, and, and that was accomplished through mostly through economic pressure because a certain uh, critical mass of people had attained enough wealth in Mexico that they just they were not going to put up with uh, severe, severe repression from the government. Um, so it can work, but it doesn't always work in the way that we would hope, I guess, would be the point there. I kind of wonder if just the changes in technology could make it harder. When you think about things like the deployment of the Great Firewall of China that, that filters information access in ways that that dictators of the past could only dream of. The the like you said, the different surveillance techniques that China deploys, things that the Soviet Union, for example, would have loved to have been able to do at the level that China is capable of doing. It, it it makes it worrisome what China can do to genuinely suppress its people and how much room there is, especially for a government that's as well organized in its its claim to power as the Chinese government. Um, what they can do. And then they look at a place like Hong Kong, obviously it would be a crown jewel to mainland China if it were under the same system. It's almost um, embarrassing, I think, that for them, that here you have this government that's operating semi-separately, that's doing well. It's one of the prized cities of the world, but it's also very high tech. So very easy to then start pouring that surveillance technology into it um, or, or, um, use it to, to root out free information. One of the things, and this is why we wanted to talk about it, that happened over the last few weeks is I believe it was the last major pro-democracy newspaper in Hong Kong was shut down and its, its editor and I think a few of its other staff were arrested for sedition, uh, for simply publishing pro-democracy pieces. So it, it's really worrisome and I think it's troubling. I, I hope the United States takes bold steps to at least work with people that want to leave Hong Kong. Uh, I know the British and I believe the Australians have both offered certain opportunities for people in Hong Kong to emigrate out and go to uh, one of those countries. And I, I, I have been a huge advocate. I think the United States should be doing the same. We should be saying, if you want to get out of there, uh, I mean, I can't imagine having to leave your home country, but if you want to get out of there and come to a place that speaks the language you know, since uh, Hong Kong has widespread English speaking, and um, come to a place that you're not going to be watching the last glimmers of freedom close around you, um, we'd love to have you. And and we, th this is an ongoing concern for us, the impact of technology and the economic interests around the deployment of technology and how that may be used against, uh, broadly speaking, against human rights. So the influence of 
individual companies um, over the behavior of individuals just based on their economic influence and economic power. Because on the one hand, we talk about the potential of markets to maybe open up a society, but also there's the dark side of that, which is we're going to use our economic power and influence to repress free discussion, repress competition, uh, um, even repress human rights directly. Um, so, yeah, and there, there's one in particular that we wanted to touch on here that I think is is fascinating and disturbing, and we've seen it over the last few years. Part of what China does with its economic power is sort of send a surge back over the, over the economic power grid, so to speak. And so we've seen that, for example, with some of the uh, sporting leagues like the NBA and how they kowtow to Beijing because they want to be able to have access to the market. Um, there's been some controversy around Apple on, on this. Um, being the a- big Apple fan that I am, it's only fair that I mention that it seems like Apple bends a little here too much. Uh, I mean, and, and some of it's challenging. Like Apple has managed to provide more free speech in its tools sold in China than you almost would have expected the Chinese to allow. So were those choices to bend in other places worth it for what they were able to provide? It's hard to say, but there are some cases that that are just outright disturbing. And one of them that came up just before Christmas came from Intel, the, the semiconductor company, um, you know, famous for Intel Inside and Pentium and core processors and all that sort of thing that, that run the vast majority of Wintel computers. I'll just read, they, they issued a annual letter to their suppliers that had this quote in it, said it, that Intel had been required to ensure that its supply chain does not use any labor or source goods or services from the Xinjiang region. And then um, I'm getting this from CNBC, they paraphrase the next part, due to fo- or following restrictions imposed by multiple governments. Well, Beijing doesn't like that kind of thing coming out. They don't like a light being shined on Xinjiang in particular, the the home of the the Uyghurs and perhaps the worst human rights abuses since the Stalin era. Um, It seems in my mind that it's well worthy of a comparison to both Stalin and Hitler, what's going on there, what their programs did. Um, the worst of the 20th century, I think we're seeing there with these concentration camps that that China has set up. So anyway, Intel issued that. It's a very straightforward, it's not, um, it's not a particularly judgmental statement, but Beijing didn't like the spotlight. And so what Intel did is just so disappointing, which is that they issued an apology for having said this about Xinjiang. And so Intel is, in, is apologizing to a repressive government for neutrally mentioning a region in which that oppressive government is massively abusing human rights on a scale that is almost unimaginable. It's just really, really disturbing. And it's an American company, even. An American company is apologizing for this. We said off the air, I said off the air, that it was completely pathetic. And and again, along those lines, I'm going to call out LeBron James as legendary as a basketball player as he is and good things that he's done. Uh, He's been towing the Chinese government line ever since the league, the NBA, uh, decided to do that as well. And it's been pretty pathetic. 
and I like to root against LeBron anyway, but if you give me human rights reasons to do so, guess what? You know, I'm not going to be a fan at all. So got to call that out when it happens. Um, Inez Cantor doing the exact opposite in the league and, and shedding light on uh, Turkey's own repression within his country uh, is noble and good. So human rights, uh, the repression of the Chinese government, these are ongoing concerns and things that uh, you Christian listeners among us can pray for and, and pray about. Uh, and we wanted to bring it to your attention just as as things to think about and pray about. And let's hope it gets better and hope that we can be raised up in boldness to speak out on behalf of struggling human beings uh, for the dignity of all people. So Praying also for brothers and sisters in Christ there, we know that one of the largest populations of Christians is now in China, and most of it has to be undercover because of the repression from the country. So praying for those people. And there's so much more here, too. We, we need to come back to this topic. Uh, we should talk sometime about Taiwan and the um, the increasing heat between the People's Republic of China and the, and the Republic of China. What does that mean in general in, on the global scale? Like if China goes after Taiwan, what does that mean for Hong Kong? What does that mean even for South Korea and Japan? What does that mean for us in the United States? We should talk about um, next time maybe that China is actually working to put a military base facing the United States on the African coast. So, so lots to talk about, lots is disturbing. I think one of the key takeaways, though, is we need to start really recognizing, and I think finally more people are, that the Chinese Communist Party is bad news. And if there's anything we can personally do to just not contribute to their power, that would certainly be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. about the disturbing things in the world, it, it's often easy to become completely absorbed by them and think this world is hopeless. There's nothing that can really be done because we can't make it work out okay. And so we might as well just give up. But thankfully, God's word has something different to say. And our second sponsor exists to help you dig further into God's word every single week and be encouraged by that. And that's Faith Tree Grow. Faith Tree Grow gathers devotionals from different churches and, and and authors and puts them together in a place where you can go every single week and be encouraged by God's word. You can also do Bible searches there and find past material that's been posted there that relates to whatever passage you look up. It's a great tool for that. And right now it's right in the middle of a project, Jason, that you and I are involved in together, which is Songs for Our Temple. That is right. We're excited about Songs for Our Temple, where the group of us you and including the great Jim Crenning and Melanie Lawrence Haynes are going through the book of Psalms and we're going to highlight things that stick out to us each week as we read through the three Psalms I think it is each week um, and then share it with you as the as the community at Faith Tree um, what is sticking out to you as you read along with us what can we find this is uh, the Psalms were the the music and the worship of the people of God in the Old Testament. So it's ever relevant to us as we come to worship our God and we seek his help and seek his favor and seek his love. Um, 
the Psalms are just ever fruitful for our for our joy and for our prayer. And so we're going through that. Because um, when's the last time you read through the Psalms? Have we could even say, have, have I ever read all the way through the Psalms from the beginning to the end? So we're going to do that with the community. We hope it encourages you. Um, we hope that you can gain insights from us as we do that. And it just, it's been great fun to be with you and Jim and Melanie to do that, uh, even in our meetings about it. So um, just to know that God is there um, and that he hears us and that he loves us and he has a word for us each day. You know, the stuff in God's word and especially the Psalms is not just, it's not just a historical monument to something that God has already done, but the word of God is ever fresh and it's ever sharp. Uh, as the book of Hebrews would say, uh, to separate between joints and marrow um, and truth and falsehood, frankly. Um, but a word of hope and a word of justice and a word of joy for us who still seek to follow God and to to be led toward him and toward uh, our heavenly hope. So we hope that you can find something in there in the Psalms as you go through it with us and that it will be encouragement to your heart and your walk with Christ. And it'd be so fun to have all of our Zippy listeners taking part in that. So they should go to grow.faithtree.com and get started today. You can jump right in, see the video from this week. And there's a place to leave comments. We're discussing the Psalms together and everyone is welcome to take part in that. Grow.faithtree.com So, comrade, uh, before the show, we were talking and you pulled out your pulpit and we're talking about the need for preaching with boldness. And we thought we'd talk about that today. So why don't you go ahead and give us a good, good rousing sermon here? Uh, well, OK, you just kind of served me up right there. And we, we went looking for that <laughs> verse in Ephesians there at the end of Ephesians 6, where uh, Paul talks about pray that I may preach with boldness and, and say what I ought. I think you said uh, Ephesians six nineteen. Why don't six nineteen? Yes. Can you just read that out for us, comrade? Yes. He he says uh, in his request of different prayer needs to the Ephesians, he says, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And then he goes on in verse twenty, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Well, and you know, as I, and I was thinking about church life, and and there's so many times where. Uh, you come to church and you're you're ready to hear the homily or the sermon, and it, it can be it can be encouraging. It can be funny in parts. You know, there's different preachers that are funny. Um, but when we when we struggle with sin, sometimes that can get really deep. We can get really deep into it, and it's serious things, um, especially things to to do with like sexual sin uh, and even, you know, substance abuse and things like that. And every once in a while, the truth is uh, that that preacher needs to be bold in confronting those sins. And a lot of times, you know, because we're sinners, uh, we get hooked into it and then we make excuses for it and it festers in our lives. 
And so every once in a while, you know, uh, a pastor needs to get up there and say, okay, the topic is, I'll just use this as an example, is pornography, and I'm going to preach about it, and we're going to talk about lust, and we're going to talk about those things. And there, there needs to be a boldness. I think a lot of people uh, can can testify that they haven't heard sermons or homilies on certain topics at all, and yet it's something that we're all facing. I, I remember uh, the anti-abortion activist Abby Johnson said, I can't remember the last time I heard a homily against abortion, but she, I remember she said, it's happening. It's happening in your congregation. People are, are coming to get abortions, and even they're, you know, they're holding Bibles and prayer books and whatever else while they're doing it. And yet here's this very evil thing that's taking place and the pastors are not speaking boldly about it. Um, but the other thing is, as we talk about these very serious things, boldness, the true boldness that comes with love and truth comes from the Holy Spirit. So one thing I'm going to recommend to all you preachers out there, this is you, Tim, this is Jim Crenning sometimes, etc., um, is let's pray to the Holy Spirit about this boldness. And then knowing that he, um, he hears us um, and interprets for God the Father beyond ways that we could ask or imagine, that he, he can shape that and form it to what he wants. God can take that prayer, however imperfect it might be, and use it for his will uh, so that we have that holy, holy boldness. It's not just a, a willingness to confront in some human terms, but it's really with the truth of who Christ is and who God desires us to be in our daily lives. So knowing that when the Holy Spirit is tugging at us and telling us to let go of whatever sin it is or, or to speak boldly in, in terms of injustice that's happening, uh, knowing that that truth comes from God, especially the Holy Spirit, uh, and it doesn't come from our own strength, but from who we recognize God to be God in Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's rely on the Holy Spirit uh, as we preach and as we are those who are preached to. Um, let's rely on the Holy Spirit. Uh, allow him to open our hearts to receive whatever we need to receive, uh, but also to speak the truth in love. It's the love that sometimes gets left out when there's confrontation. Yes. Uh, but the truth needs to be spoken uh, in some of these very, very heavy issues. Right. Yeah, this this is the challenge I think that you're putting your finger on there that's so important, which is that we oftentimes fall into one of those two traps. We either want people to feel loved, which is an important thing, and so we dodge topics that we fear may hurt them or scare them away. And yet, on the other hand, there are preachers who almost seem to thrive in that environment because they just want to declare how bold they are by being as confrontational as possible. And if we look at scripture, we don't see either of those typically. I mean, yeah, there are times I've, I've seen people cite the prophets, for example, or you'll see people talk about Jesus overturning the tables in the temple. And, and there is time for righteous anger. There's time for just outright um, bold, unthrottled declaration. Uh, 
But generally speaking, the way it should be happening, and this is where we need to meet somewhere in the middle, is that it, it is a matter where you think about how can I bring this topic lovingly to the people to whom I'm going to speak to. And if you think about what Paul's talking about here, he wants to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel, and he recognizes he's an ambassador of the gospel. If you're an ambassador, your goal is to represent well the thing that you're talking about. And so it's so important as we do it that we do it in a way that represents it well to the people who are are listening. And this is true whether you're a preacher or if you're just an individual Christian, because we're all just really individual Christians in different positions speaking about the mysteries of the gospel in our everyday lives. And we can do that in a way that's loving and redemptive. And if you look at it, and we need to be careful because we're not called as prophets, and we're certainly not Jesus. But when we do see those really confrontational examples, why are they done? They're still done with the goal of bringing someone to Christ, bringing someone into the gospel, bringing someone into the kingdom, and maybe protecting those that are in the kingdom as well. Those are two important goals. And speaking to God's glory, what they aren't meant to do, which is what we do so often when you do see quote-unquote bold preaching, is insult a group or denigrate a group for the sake of feeling superior to them. Or, I mean, this is what we do on social media so often, right? We we pass along a joke because it makes us feel good and insult some other group. Maybe that group is totally wrong. Maybe that group is mired in sin, but it's not really focused in any way on bringing those people to redemption and bringing them to repentance and, and helping those in our congregations who are struggling with those sins to overcome the struggle but rather to make ourselves feel better than the people that are struggling. And that's not what Paul's talking about. Right. And I think just to illustrate the times where uh, a flat denunciation will work would be the times that we talked about in the previous segment when there's grievous violations of human rights and human dignity. Uh, We talk about that uh, when we've talked about various forms of abuse on the show. If that's happening in a church, then that needs to be forcefully denounced. I don't need to worry about whether the people who hear that message feel good about it, if it's if it's that serious. But most people, most sinners, most of the time, are going to need some mix of both. They need to know that they're loved, but they need to know that they need to let go of this thing over here. Uh, and so that's what you're talking about, is, is frank truth in Christ, but recognizing that Christ uh, did not come, at least not the first time, he did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Um, And we're proclaiming uh, right now in this time, we're proclaiming the saving Jesus and see the judging Jesus. He he can proclaim himself. The father can proclaim him when we come, when he comes. So he doesn't need us to do that. But there are times, you know, flagrant human rights abuses like we talked about before, church abuse of various kinds that happens. Uh, that's the time for blunt denunciation. And then other times, some mix of both, right? We're all sinners. We stumble. Um, you don't need to draw attention to yourself as, oh, I'm boldly proclaiming. If you feel like you're boldly proclaiming or if you're if you're consciously aware that you're boldly proclaiming, it's probably a little bit of pride getting in there. 
Yeah. Jesus can speak for himself and the Holy Spirit can speak for himself and the Father speaks for himself. Uh, preachers need to remember that too. And I, I've heard Jim Crenning talk about this. A lot of times you just, you pray and then you get out of the way mm-hmm. and as you preach. So uh, we're all over the place today, but just those are thoughts on boldness and on the truth and on uh, living in the truth and abiding in the truth that I wanted to share with the listeners today. And I know you're on that page today too. So, Absolutely. And, and if any of our listeners have an example, either a really good example or a really bad example they'd like to share with us, we'd be interested in hearing from you on that or any other segment of the show today. We are coming to the end of our time, but we will be back and zip through more news and culture that matter to you. So you should go on the podcast store of your choice and subscribe. It doesn't cost anything to subscribe to Zippy the Wonder Snail, but it does cost something if you don't, because you'll miss out on an episode or you won't get to listen to it as soon. So go to whatever place you'd like to find your finer podcast. Subscribe to Zippy the Wonder Snail today. Go to www.zippythewondersnail.com as well if you'd like to check out our archive. And we will be back next time with news and culture that will zip through for you.